If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and we pray that you do, please open it to Colossians chapter 4 this morning. Colossians chapter 4. This morning, we are going to begin, uh, continue in our Pi Squared series of what it means to live intentionally to fulfill the great commission of telling other people about the good news of Jesus Christ and what Jesus means to us. Last week, for those of you that were here, Pastor Justin walked us through verses 2 and 3, 2 and 4 of Colossians 4, where Paul stresses four times in those few short verses the need for prayer. And as a result, Pastor Justin encouraged us last week to pray for opportunities, to pray for boldness, and to pray for clarity. The foundation, the starting point, the cornerstone of our witness to Jesus Christ is prayer. Let me ask you this this morning. How many of you here this morning turned on a light switch? Who flicked the light switch? And what happened when you flicked the light switch? The lights came on, right? And it's no different in this room here. If we were to flick a light switch, these lights, these large lights that we have hanging here, they would turn on. There's power that comes from the main source, goes to the light switch, and from the light switch, it gets carried to these lights here. And when they are turned on, it will fill this room with brightness, it will take away the darkness, and it would remove all the shadows. Now, one thing I know for sure is that I am no electrician. But what I do realize is this. If that light switch is not connected to the main power source... No matter how often we want to flick that light switch, no matter how frustrated we become, no matter how often we go out there and switch the light bulbs, if it is not connected to the main power source, no matter what we do, these lights will not turn on. But if that light switch is connected to the main power source and that main power source passes through the conduit in the light switch and goes up into these lights, these lights will turn on because they are connected to the power source. So if you go to your notes, I put it this way. The need to be connected to the power source is crucial. And prayer is that connection. If we neglect prayer in our lives, our connection to the source of power, Jesus Christ, who will equip us through the working of the Holy Spirit, will no longer be the foundation of our strong witness. Prayer, our connection to that life source, gives us those providential moments that we talked about last week to speak grace and truth with boldness and with clarity. That's a recap of last week. Verses 2 to 4. Today we're going to look at verse 5 and 6 from Colossians 4. So if you have your Bibles, please follow along. Colossians 4, and this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer any, everyone. I'd like for you to imagine with me for a moment. 
Suppose a wealthy person came in this morning and they told you that they were going to give you $1,140 every day for the rest of your life. $1,440. And you could spend this money any way you would like. But you couldn't hoard it and nor could you save it up for tomorrow. You had to spend it in that day. 1,140 days for the rest of your life comes into your bank account, but here's the catch. If you did not spend it, it was gone. You wouldn't get it back. Then at the end of life, an accounting would be made of all the money that you had and how you spent it. Just imagine. 1440 bucks every day into your account. What would you do with it? Would you, how would you spend it? Or would you squander it? Would you use it buying stuff for others? Or would you do it buy, buy stuff for yourselves? Would you waste it on the trivialities of life? Or would you invest it for eternity? How, how would you spend it? See, every day we are blessed with the commodity of time. Every day, God gives us 1,440 minutes every day to spend by you and by me alone. Nobody else gets to spend that time, only you, only me. We can't save any of yesterday's time for today, and nor can we take tomorrow's time and bring it in today. All we have is the 1,440 minutes. How are we going to spend it? On average, we'll probably all spend about 400 of those minutes in sleep. That gives us roughly 1,040 minutes left. What are you going to do with it? How you invest that time is going to have a lasting impact on your families. It'll have an impact on your spouse. It'll have an impact on your children, your grandchildren, your significant other. It will have an impact on our church community. It'll have an impact on those sitting around you, beside you, behind you, and in front of you. It will have an impact and a lasting impact on your coworkers, on your neighbors, on your friends, those names that you put on your Pi Square cards a couple weeks ago. For you see, our text today gives us some key elements on how we need to take these 1,440 minutes and use them for the advancement of the kingdom of God here on earth. So let's read verse 5 again. It says this Be wise. In the way we act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. What we need to realize is this investing in others is not a program, it's a lifestyle. It's not a program, it's a lifestyle. As soon as someone realizes that you have made them their program, as soon as somebody else realizes that they have become your project so that you can check them off a list, that that's somebody that you brought to Christ, your authenticity and your credibility with that person is shot out the window. People do not want to be somebody else's project. So when you connect with the outsider, as Paul says... They need to see you being real. They need to see the real you. They do not want to see somebody who is going to yell off and spout off all the holy, new, latest catchphrases in the Christian faith and then one minute see you taking all the latest curse words out of the same mouth. In your investing with others, with the outsiders, they want to see an authentic Christian faith. 
And who's the outsider that Paul talks about? Well, the outsider is those without faith, without a relationship in Jesus Christ. This, this could be your mechanic, it could be your doctor, it could be a close friend, it could even be that young adult who has been attending this church or your church their entire life, but for whatever reason, they've decided to no longer attend church or to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It could be your grandson, your granddaughter, it could be your child who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. You know, it has been said often that you and I that we will be the only Bible that somebody will ever read. Your conduct and how you live and how you raise your children and how you interact with society on how you deal with a crisis will be a testimony to the faithfulness of God in your life. Now hold your finger there in Colossians and turn for a moment to John 3, verse 22. John 3, 22. Just flip back a bit and go to that. Because to help us understand this concept, we want to use Jesus as an example of how this can be done so practically in our very busy lives. When it comes to investing time with others, so often I believe that Jesus is that, that intimidating example that we don't really want to use Jesus as the example because we feel that the bar is set pretty high because often what we do is we look solely at the 100% God characteristics and not at his 100% man characteristics. But what we see in this verse is that Jesus is one using 100% man of his characteristics and he makes it so clear on how we need to spend time with others. Jesus does not set the bar so high that it's unobtainable. In fact, he lowers it so that you and I can do this. So take a look at John 3, 22, where it says this. Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them. A rather seemingly mundane line, isn't it? One that if we were reading this passage, we would just kind of skip over. We wouldn't think so much about it. But I want you to grab your pen and I want you to underline where he spent time with them because it is significant for us in understanding how simple Jesus made investing time. This is how it is in your notes. Jesus took his 12 disciples and they literally hung out together. They hung out together. Hanging out is not a program. It's not something that requires committee meetings to determine the 12 best steps to evangelism before we can begin. The word spent time in the Greek is diatribo, which literally means to rub off are to rub off on. So Jesus and his 12 disciples went into the Judean countryside where they spent time together rubbing off on each other. Isn't that cool? The 12 disciples that Jesus did life be with began to look more and more like Jesus did because Jesus rubbed off on them. It was in his simplicity of living life together that the disciples became to understand and became, uh, began to see the reality of who Jesus Christ was, his 100% God characteristics. See, Jesus had 12 he had to invest in. 
And we've asked you to choose four people to intentionally invest in and to spend time together with, to just do life with. And these are the folks that we have a natural connection with, the people that we hang out with. But please, I beg you, please do not neglect your own kids and your own grandkids. Take time to invest in their lives and never assume that just because they come to church their entire life or they come to our kids' church programs that they are naturally going to follow Jesus Christ. The latest statistic shows us that six out of every 10 young adult person who attended church their entire life, six out of 10 are gonna leave the church when they become a young adult. Relationships. Spending time together is the primary primary motivator for youth to stick with church life and to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Investing in their lives and allowing other people to invest in their lives is of utmost importance. Take a look at this staggering statistic for a moment. It says this. 51% of those who attend youth group weekly as a teen said they would attend church weekly as an adult. Compare that to just 18% of those who attend youth group once or three times a week or only 9% of those who attend youth group once or less a month. That's a staggering statistic. Never underestimate the power of relationship and the value, to, time, value of time spent with others where you can boldly display the hope that we have in Jesus Christ through the way we live. See, in Colossians 4 also says that we need to be wise. We need to be wise. But here's the good news. Wisdom does not mean we need to know everything. And I'm sure for some of us that is a huge sigh of relief. But for others, I can only imagine that the anxiety level with that statement, your anxiety level has now raised to a much new level because you can now no longer use the excuse of, it's my lack of biblical knowledge. In the present context, to conduct ourselves with wisdom means that the unsaved outsider who is closely critically scrutinizing our lives should see or hear nothing in our lives that would jeopardize the testimony of Jesus Christ. Wisdom means that you and I do not act foolishly as image bearers of a holy God. For example, when you invest your time with others, do not do anything that contradicts Scripture. Ephesians 5 says, do not get drunk on wine or liquor. No big theological explanation is needed in this one. It is very clear. Don't get drunk. So when you are investing time with others, watch your drinking. Mark 12, Jesus tells us, love your neighbor as yourselves. We contradict scripture when we say dumb and hurtful things on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Snapchat that degrades others. Doing these types of things does not show a large amount of wisdom. Be wise in our investment with others and let others see Jesus in you. Allow others to see Jesus in you requires you to be connected to the source, to Jesus Christ. 
You need to spend time with Jesus in order to act in wisdom. So you need to take some of those 1,440 minutes to read your Bible, to spend time in prayer asking God for clarity and for boldness to help you gain understanding so you do not intentionally contradict Scripture in your life. But please, please do not wait till you know more to invest in others. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that through his son, through his death, and through his resurrection, that he has saved you from your sins? Do you believe that he is the truth, the way, and the life, and the only way? If you said yes, then you know enough. Share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Don't condemn the other person for their actions, but share your hope that you have in our Savior. Let your identity to others not be your profession, but your status in a holy God, which is forgiven, which is redeemed and holy. Be wise. For as children of God, you are his ambassador. Colossians 4, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. And I've put it this way in your notes. Be faithful in following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Be faithful in following the lead of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are so many times in life that we have the opportunity to share our hope in Christ. And so often we miss it because we are just so scared to act. I know for myself there have been so many times that I know that I just need to share what Jesus means to me. Or I, I need to say something that's going to indicate to that person that I believe in Jesus Christ. But I don't. I don't. I shy away. And afterwards I am kicking myself for not making the most of op that opportunity. There is this stirring in my belly that I just know I got to go. And I don't. I sit back and I do nothing and I miss the opportunity. You see, when we pray for providential moments, we need to act on those moments when they come. Prayer without action is a lack of courage and trust in the Holy Spirit. When I pray for providential moments to share the gospel message, to make the most of those opportunities, I need to believe I need to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to lead me into those moments and then he is the one who's going to give me the words to speak. See, the Holy Spirit will only lead you into situations that are in line with God's perfect and pleasing will. The Holy Spirit will not contradict the Father, nor will the Holy Spirit contradict Jesus, his son. That's an impossibility. So when you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you, you know you're moving in the direction of God's will for your life. And when you know the Holy Spirit is nudging you to share the story, know without a shadow of a doubt that you are in line with God's pleasing will for your life. And you need to make the most of those opportunities, not for your glory, but for the glory of God. You know, if I just sit back, which I have done many times, and I have done nothing in those providential moments, then I need to ask myself, Marcel, do you believe 
in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you in those moments? And I pray that I am going to say yes a whole lot more than the times that I say no. Take a look at Colossians 4, verse 5 again. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Do you notice what it doesn't say? It does not say, be wise and make the most of every situation only after you have done profession of faith, only after when you kind of feel that you're mature enough to take that step, or only after you're not retired. See, there are no time or age restrictions on being wise and making the most of opportunity. There's no time or age restrictions to it. This is a lifestyle for the young and for the old alike. So young people, regardless of your age, those that are going to Mexico, youth, young adults, you can no longer use the excuse that this does not apply to you. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to the believers in, space, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. That's for you. And seniors, this is also for you. You can no longer use the excuse, I've done my time. Now it's time for that younger generation to take over, to lead. You can't use that anymore. Listen to Psalm 71. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all the generations to come. We are called from elementary school to seniors' home to be wise in the way we act towards one another and to make the most of every opportunity. There is no outplan. There's no excuse. There is no escaping the reality that we need to invest our lives in the lives of others and share what God has done for us. We must always act in the manner that we are living proof of a living God. Now take a look at verse four, verse six. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone. You know, I think it's interesting that the NIV Bible uses the word conversation where the King James Bible uses the word speech. Conversation is a dialogue between two or more people. Conversation is not just one person sharing to an audience. That's preaching. Conversation is not somebody who is, who is standing on their soapbox in the street corner trying to convert people to Jesus Christ but condemning them for their actions and telling them that they're all going to go to hell and if they don't convert, you know how that works. Being a witness is more of a sentence than a paragraph. It's more of a sentence than a paragraph. And I, I think... We feel that in order to be effective in our evangelism, we need to spout off everything that we know about God, the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, about the Trinity, about covenant theology, about predestination and the like, all in one sentence. But a conversation is something that we have done our entire lives, and it's something that we're going to do continually a conversation about Jesus and what he has done for you, making it personal. This is who God is to me. 
is far easier than beginning a theological debate. When we do life together, when we rub off on each other using lines such as, I was thankful to the Lord for, or or when I was at church this past Sunday, or when I was in my life group, or may I pray for you? These type of things, these sentences that, that we intersperse into our conversations will have an effect. These, these are just a few things that you can say that, that hopefully will open up the door for a, a much deeper conversation of how you can share the hope that you have in Christ. And using these type of phrases in our conversations, we need to trust that the work of the Holy Spirit is going to take the conversation where it needs to go. You know, sometimes it goes From our perspective, it goes nowhere. We don't see any results out of it. And other times, it's going to be just the right phrase or the right word that the other person needs to hear at that time. We need to trust that the words spoken by you and by me to the one that we are talking to are led by the Holy Spirit. See, because we don't need to know their entire story. We don't need to know all the juicy stuff that happened in their lives. We only need to go where the conversation naturally leads and then trust that God knows and that he is using you to speak grace and truth into their lives. See, verse 5 says that our conversation should always be filled with grace, seasoned with salt. Our conversations must live at the intersection of grace and truth. They must live at the intersection of grace and truth. We should always show compassion. We should always show kindness and respect for the person we are having a conversation with, who we are doing life with. You know, finding fault in somebody is is so easy to do, and, and we love doing it. But extending grace to others despite their weakness. Now that's a whole different story. To speak with grace means that we speak that which is spiritual, which is wholesome, fitting for the moment, which is kind, sensitive, purposeful, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. But please, Please never, ever shy away from telling the truth. That, that's the season with salt. For you see, in Paul's day, salt was used to preserve meat, to keep it from going rotten, to keep it from, from having that undesirable stench that it was basically useless. It was good for nothing. See, we need to speak words that are full of grace and love, but we should never fall to that side of being untruthful. We need to preserve, we need to uphold the truth of Scripture. We should never speak words that that make life in Christ have the stench of hypocrisy, of lies, of gossip, of slander, and the like. Grace and truth is a beautiful combination that holds the integrity of the gospel in our conversations. When you and I, regardless of our age, 
are wise in the way we act towards outsiders. And when we make the most of every opportunity, when we speak in in grace and truth, the next part of our Pi Squared series is going to come so naturally, the invite. Often we never dare to make the invite. We never dare to ask that question. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt that long before the invite comes, the Holy Spirit has been doing a work in the lives of the outsiders, and he has set the stage for the ask, for the invite. Because the invite will become a natural part, a natural progression of the conversation. It will seem not so much out of place. It will will not seem awkward. It will not seem as as though we are cramming this religion down their throats, but it will be out of love that you are compelled to invite that person into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Our time, inviting the, our time inviting those to who we do life with, your friends, your coworkers, your kids, your parents, to invite them to a Bible study, to your youth group, to your church, to your life group, will become a natural response, something that you will long for something that you will look forward to, something that you will just know this is it. Through your growing relationship, you will want to invite them. You will want to invite them. You will long to invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't you? Really, why wouldn't you? How much do you have to hate the person you're having a relationship with? to not invite them into a relationship with a holy, mighty, awesome God. You and I should be compelled by God, his love for us, to make that invite. But always remember, you cannot save that person. You can't. That is the working of the Holy Spirit. But you sure can invite them into a conversation about it, can't you? You and I should never cease in our investing and in our inviting. It should become part of the way we do life. Praying, investing, and inviting should be our lifestyle. It should be our passion to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not so that we can grow Gateway Church. Not that you can grow your life group. Not that you can grow the church that you belong to. Not that we can pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, look what we've done. May it never be for those reasons. But may it be our passion. May it be our joy to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ for the glory of God always and for the advancement of his kingdom here on earth. To God be the glory. To God be the glory now and forevermore. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to you be the glory now and forevermore. And Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, who gives us hope. And Father, we pray that in our interactions and with our dealings with others, that we will be encouraged, that we will 
feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit to share the hope that we have in you because of you. Help us, Father, never to shy away from those moments, but to speak boldly in spirit and in truth the good news. For you are Lord of life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.